Scripture reading this morning is Genesis 4, 19 through 22. Don't know if anybody's using the church Bibles, but if you are, it's on page 2. Lamech married two women, one named Ada and the other Zillah. Ada gave birth to Jabal. He was the father of those who live in tents and raise livestock. His brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all who play stringed instruments and pipes. Zillah also had a son, Tubalcane, who forged all kinds of tools out of bronze and iron. Tubalcane's sister was Nema. The word of the Lord. All right. Thanks for being here, or thanks for joining us online. Usually I get to greet people through online, so I'm not going to do that today, but uh, we're glad that you are here too. Um, so as I was, this, this pandemic's been an interesting time, right? Uh, you do things you don't normally do. I was able to review some of my notes from the Akengay Fellows program uh, as I was uh, just kind of going through the busyness of life. And, uh, and I realized I didn't preach a, a message on technology and the Bible. So the Akengay Fellows series uh, is a kind of a retreat I went to where we learned about different things, about culture and scripture and the Bible. And so I thought, you know what, I really do want to go back and talk about technology, especially right now because we're all connected by what? Technology. Uh, that's how we've kind of continued uh, working uh, together, being together as a ch church community, maybe in your jobs. Uh, you've been using uh, things like Zoom or, uh, or Google Meet or Facebook video, uh, and uh, you're using these, you're, you're sort of feeling connected, but then you're also a little bit stressed out by it. Is, is anyone here stressed out by like Zoom? Uh, it brings a little bit of stress. Okay, at least one person is a couple people. Um, I've heard the phrase Zoom fatigue. I don't know here if, if anyone is experiencing Zoom fatigue. Uh, I think I have on and off throughout this. Uh, so our intention today is not to wear out those uh, tuning into the live stream, uh, but to just talk a little bit about technology because it's something that we're grateful for, uh, but also something that wears us out, something that has a cost. And since we're going to be continuing to use it for a while, I thought, let's just talk about it. Now, when I use the word technology, uh, uh, I mean, like, all of technology, right? So technology is not just, like, the iPhone and the screen and, like, the electrical equipment. Technology is everything. So it's this lectern. Uh, it's the church carpet. It's the chairs. Uh, it's your clothing. It's this building. It's all things that have been made. So technology includes all tools, machines, utensils, weapons, instruments, housing, clothing, communication, transportation devices, and the skills we use to produce them. So, even if you've never been on Zoom, you've still used technology uh, if you've even brushed your teeth. And it all comes at a cost. And I, I love technology. Like, I, I, I'm in, I enjoy it. I have the iPhone. Uh, but I still think it's something that we need to think about through the biblical lens, through the lens of, of Christ and Christianity, because it's something that's so ingrained in our culture your, your neck chief is very distracting, Andy, but that's okay. It's like this, this face mask. This, his technology, I think, was a little bit of a poor choice, uh, but uh, I'm just kidding. I, I love it. Um, right? Your face mask is a piece of technology, and so you choose that. Um, all right, so I want to look at like a biblical overview of technology, not from a like microscope view where we're looking at it real closely, but more like a satellite imagery, like up above, 
100,000 feet just looking down below at everything. And the first thing I want to talk about is that God made us to be creative beings. Uh, there we go. God made us to be creative beings. Now, you've probably heard me say this before. You've probably even heard where I've brought it out of, but it comes from the very first chapter of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, where we find God, uh, he's creating, he's fashioning, he's calling into being the heavens and the earth. Uh, and it's this amazing moment. And then in Genesis 1, verses 27 through 28, he calls humans to, to come into being, and he makes humans like him. So Genesis 1, 27 through 28, say this. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish and the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So God makes man and woman in his own image. That's like him. Not, not the same as him, but similar to him. And that gives us value. That gives us worth. That's why people are so special. Uh, and yet God gives us also a, spe- a specific task. He says to rule over creation, to subdue creation. Now, the, the root of this Hebrew word subdue is kabosh, uh, and it means to subjugate something. Maybe that's where we get the, the, the word to, to put the kabosh on something. Um, and it means to bring something under dominion or control. But it's not meant to be like this subjugating dominion where I, I'm in charge, I'm doing whatever I want with creation. No, it's really meant to be uh, kind of this word having to do with stewardship. I am using it uh, for its betterment. I am using it in a wise and good way. And now the root of subdue is kibosh, uh, and it's, uh, the root of subdue is the same as that for footstool, uh, kibesh, or kiln, like where you uh, heat things up, kiln, which is kibshan. Now, there's the inherent idea, then, in this word that to subdue, to steward well, is going to require tools and instruments. It's going to require technology. So part of our creativity is expressed through the things we make, through our, uh, the things we kibosh, the things we have dominion over and make, tools and technology. And so we can use technology to express creativity and beauty. I want us to leap forward in the story of the Bible. So we, we have Genesis at the beginning, and then uh, the people of Israel come along, uh, and they're in captivity in Egypt. Now, they're in captivity in Egypt for 400 years. They come out of captivity, but they've just had 400 years of, of learning, of education, of skill acquiring. Uh, uh, Egypt was uh, like the superpower of its day. They had incredible uh, tools and art and, and beauty and just amazing things that they had made. In fact, uh, in Acts chapter 7, our Acts series, uh, 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 Stephen actually talks about Moses being educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. So there's something that the Egyptians gave them, and it wasn't just Moses who kind of got this learned, uh, learned skills. It was also some of the laborers. So if you go to Exodus chapter 31, uh, we find this. 
then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engrave in all kinds of crafts. And so we see like the Holy Spirit of God filling someone so that they can do good work, so that they can make things, so that they can use tools, they can use technology. Right? And so that, now let's just jump back to our context in our setting for a moment. We can use technology uh, tools to express creativity and beauty in a way that honors God. So we can, we can pray, Lord, uh, when I log into the Zoom meeting, would your Holy Spirit fill me <laughs> so that m- maybe instead of it just sucking something out of me, I'm actually giving a little bit of you. I'm giving a little bit of you to this, this moment that I am uh, engaging in. And I, I think we actually experience it here today, right, as our, our worship team comes up and they lead us in worship, right? They, uh, we saw them praying beforehand. They're praying for the Holy Spirit to, to fill them and to sing through them and to play through them and to what bless us and draw us into God's presence. It's amazing how God, like, uh, condescends, right, comes down and and fills our world, fills us with creativity and beauty. And we learn those things by studying, and we see that of Bezalel here. He was a creative person. I wanted to give a, another illustration of just someone using technology to express creativity and beauty. I don't know if you ever watched the YouTube clips where it talks about, uh, it's, the, it's the YouTube uh, Great Big Story I feel like I'm missing a picture here. Is there one of, there you go. Uh, This is a 77-year-old Japanese artist uh, who began painting in retirement. All right, so he's clearly made some beautiful uh, works of art. You can go to the next one, Jeremy. Uh, Right, Uh, beautiful, delicate flowers, this nature scene, it's colorful. Uh, The next one is uh, of a a lake scene, and and he's a Japanese artist. He's capturing the culture and all of its beauty, right? And so he made this with technology, but he didn't make this painting or any of the ones that you've just seen with paintbrushes or even like painting software. These are actually made with Microsoft Excel. (laughs) These are made with Microsoft Excel, where he used technology uh, to make something beautiful. He was creative. He was cheap, really. That was the motivation behind it. He didn't want to have to pay for anything else. He wanted to use what he already had. Uh, I think that's an amazing display of God's creativity and beauty in someone. And we can do it in our lives, right? Uh, When we use duct tape to make a dress or to make crafts, right? We're, we're using uh, creativity, beauty. When we're, when we're taking a pen and paper or we're sitting down at a keyboard to write an encouraging note to someone, we are using technology to bless others. And so maybe think about your life. Think about the things that God has gifted you with, the things you enjoy doing, the technology that, that you participate with. How can God use that to bless others, to show others creativity and beauty? And then second, we can use technology to do good work. We can use it to do good work. Now, uh, uh, God calls us to be fruitful and multiply, to fill the earth and subdue it, right? To, to, to steward it. And this is Genesis chapter 1. Now, Genesis chapter 2 is kind of uh, uh, the, the creation account, I think, retold through a different lens. But Genesis chapter 3 
is when everything bad happens, right? <laughs> when, when Adam and Eve disobey God and all of humanity and all of us fall into sin. And that, what that tells us is that work predates the fall, right? Work came before the fall. God said to do good work and then bad things happen. Because sometimes we think about work like, oh man, I hate work. It's just, it's a result of the fall. Like when, when Jesus comes back, we'll all be like, uh, sipping our drinks and uh, being laying out on the beach, and it'll be easy, and there'll be no more work. That's not true at all. <laughs> the scriptures call us to subdue creation and to steward it and to, to enjoy it. Uh, and so we can make good work. We can kind of, uh, we can never make it as it was originally intended before the fall, right? But we can still make good things uh, as we function after the fall. In fact, we see the disciples, they're fishermen, right? Paul is a tent maker. Jesus was a carpenter. That's like the auto mechanic of the ancient world. <laughs> Jesus is uh, someone who would have used technology and tools to make good work to honor God. In fact, the Bible itself, right, is written in he uh, Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic, right? That is a form of technology language. And so, one of my favorite verses to, to go to is 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Uh, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. We can use technology to do good work. My brother, uh, I, I just wanted kind of like fun examples of technology. So my brother uh, bought me this. I, I have not used it, clearly, so I don't know if he's watching through the live stream today. But does anyone uh, know what this odd device is? Lucas, what is this? It's a live straw. Do you know what it does? Jenny, what does it do? Yeah, that's right. It filters out water so you can make it drinkable. And I had this grand image of like going down and getting some stream water and like live action drinking for you. But you can just go ahead and imagine that, right? If you're, if you're on a hike and uh, you're going along a path and you, for some reason, you need to bring a water bottle, but you brought a live straw, well, you can uh, bend down to the river. I think I have some pictures of the live straw in action. Uh, maybe, Jeremy, you can pull that up, right? You can be like that guy with the life straw. Um, it will never be without good hydration uh, with this. Apparently, it kills like 99.99999% of bacteria, but only 99.999% of uh, protozoa. So, you, you know, t you're taking a risk there. <laughs> and apparently, uh, when you purchase this life straw, it gives a child around the world uh, safe drinking water for an entire school year. Uh, and they've given over 3 million students access to safe water water. So I just think that's such a beautiful example of doing good work, right? You're making a piece of technology that can bless others, and then you're also thinking about uh, your work and what you do in an ethical way, trying to bless others and raise them up. We can use technology to do good work. And notice this, this, like, this doesn't have to be like specifically a Christian brand, right? This is just technology, and they're doing things that I think are good, are God-honoring, uh, and whether or not they're Christians, I don't know. Uh, but their work still has um, value, and it's still really good. So, as we do good work, we reflect a God who is good and creative, uh, but there are some risks to technology. Anyone who's ever used technology knows that it can be addictive. It can control your life. Email can control your life or video games or, uh, or Reddit or whatever you're into. Uh, it can be used for good or for evil. 
Now, the story doesn't end in Genesis chapter 1, does it? Adam and Eve disobey God. God drives them out. Uh, but he does something before he drives them out. Genesis chapter 3, verse 21 says this. Man, this technology is not working very well today. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. It's something we can just like go past so quickly. It shows you God is the first inventor of technology. God is the, the first creator. He is the creative one. He made garments. Of skin. He made clothes. Uh, you, you can't go to the gap, but you can go to the God if you're Adam and Eve, right? Uh, he made garments of skin. And the, the interesting thing is like he made it to clothe them, to clothe their shame. But I also think it serves like a greater, broader function in, in like the biblical narrative of foreshadowing what, uh, and that means kind of pointing forward to the sacrificial system that was going to come where animals would be sacrificed to, uh, to kind of atone for the sins of the people. And then finally, when Christ himself would put his skin on the line, or he would die so that others might live, so that any who repents and believes in Christ might receive eternal life. Wow. Garments of skin connect us to this greater redemptive story. God uses technology for good. And that means we can use it for good, but often, well, we don't use it to good. Sometimes we use it to, uh, to cover up those places where we fall short. Because Adam and Eve, they have a son they have a couple sons, Cain and Abel. And if you know the story of the Bible, what does Cain do? He kills Abel. Uh, he's jealous. And then Cain has children and grandchildren. He has descendants. And there's this one stand-up guy named Lamech. Uh, he's the first polygamist. He marries multiple women. So you, you, you get the sense that he is uh, taking advantage of other people. And then he actually boasts about killing a young man. He says that he's like 77 times worse than, uh, than uh, Cain. And he has two sons. Actually, he has three sons. They invent the farming. They invent farming, the arts, and the sciences. <laughs> so Lamech married two women. I'm going to go to the next verse here. Married two women, one named Ada and the other Zillah. Ada gave birth to Jabal. He was the father of those who live in tents and raise livestock, farming useful. But his brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all who played stringed instruments and pipes. Uh, and Zillah also had a son, Tubal-Cain, who forged all kinds of tools out of bronze and iron. Tubal-Cain's sister was Nema. And so um, my, uh, one of my Gordon-Conwell professors pointed this out, actually, at, one of the, at the Ockengay thing. And he's like, you know, it's like the scripture is saying, uh, you know, here, here's this story. Like, here are these things that are that are good, but, you know, they're also made by these certain people, <laughs> right? They're, it's kind of an interesting note that where we get technology comes from the line of Cain, from Lamech and his three sons. And so it's like saying, just saying, like, 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 just take note of that. It can be used for good. The guy who invented bronze and iron work is named after Cain himself. And so there is a downside and a risk to technology. It can be problematic. Uh, one of uh, the, the guys, the, the leaders, said, technology is not neutral. We tend to think of technology as being like this neutral thing. It's like, whatever you do with it, that's fine. But technology, by its very use, has a good or a bad consequence or a mix of both. It does something to us. It's never neutral. 
There's always a cost to it. It always benefits us some way, but it also takes away from us. There's downsides. Like email, right? You can send an email. It's nice. It's convenient. But then it can also be misread. Or a text message. Even a phone call. It gives us the excuse not to have that face-to-face conversation with someone when we know we should have it. So we're like, well, this way is quicker. Well, there's some consequences. See, technology often has unintended consequences. For example, the bronze, right? So Tubal Cain, he makes bronze. Then we use bronze in the Old Testament to make vessels for the tabernacle, a place of worship to God. Well, that's wonderful, isn't it? They also use bronze to make a, a bronze serpent that when the people are getting bitten by poisonous snakes in the wilderness, they, they can look at the bronze serpent and God miraculously, supernaturally heals them. Isn't that amazing? God uses technology. He saves people. But then if you read further on in the story of the Bible, the people of Israel actually begin to worship the bronze serpent. They begin to worship the, the idol. They begin to put their faith not in the one who made the bronze serpent, but in the technology itself. Right? And it's so easy for us to become dependent, to, to look at the things that we have made our, our, our technology and say, without those things, we're nothing. Right? We love our smartphones, right? but there has been a consequence to smartphone technology. Increase in suicides among teens after the invention of the smartphone and its adoption by our culture. There is a, an unattended consequence to something that has arguably improved our lives. Or maybe you're like, no, that's why I don't have one. It hasn't really improved our lives or it gives us the, the feeling of it. As part of our Ockengay retreat, we read this book called uh, Technopoly, Technopoly by Neil Postman. He also wrote, like, The Death of Childhood. I don't know if any of you have read any of his books. Has anyone read anything by Neil Postman? Uh, it's a good book, uh, and he actually wrote this uh, back in 1993, and yet it's still speaking today. Uh, and uh, he was a man who truly critiqued technology, and he wrote this entire book on pen and paper. He did not use a computer. <laughs> I guess he would drive his, like, publisher absolutely nuts uh, when he would send in his manuscripts. But he just talks about the invention of the clock and how uh, the clock was invented for one purpose and then it was used for another purpose. So like the, the, the clock, obviously not the sundial here, but the mechanical clock uh, was invented by uh, Benedictine monks in a monastery in the 12th and 13th centuries. And so it was, it was, it was invented in a monastery so that the monks and the worshipers could, um, could synchronize their worship time so that they would have seven specific times throughout the day, the bells would ring, and that they would worship the Lord and focus on him. And that is such an amazing, wonderful uh, 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 invention. Like, that's a good purpose, right? They wanted to increase their worship of God, their devotion. They wanted to do it together. And they did not foresee... That, that the clock would turn into something that would absolutely dominate our lives. That it would synchronize and control the actions of men and women. That by the middle of the 14th century, the clock had moved out of the monastery and brought uh, a new and precise regularity to workmen and merchants. 
The mechanical clock, as Lewis Mumford wrote, made possible the idea of regular production, regular working hours, and a standardized product. In short, without the clock, capitalism would have been quite impossible. The paradox, the surprise, and the wonder are that the clock was invented by men who wanted to devote themselves more rigorously to God, and it ended as technology of greatest use to men who wished to devote themselves to the accumulation of money. Right? Wow. Unintended consequence of inventing the clock. Uh, Neil Postman writes that there is an ecological change when we bring in new technology. That something happens in the environment. It's not just that, that things are used for good or for evil. It's just that things change, that you can't, uh, that, that, that the culture is uh, completely different. I wanted to give you a, a live-action example of this. So I recently purchased, purchased these, these glasses. I'm just going to put them on. I want you to like, notice what, what changes in your heart <laughs> as you look at me. You're like, oh, Jonathan's, like, he just got a little smarter, right? Like a little bit more brilliant, a little bit more wise. I got, these are like the, you can, you can use them as you look at your, your computer screen so it doesn't hurt your eyes, right? And so instead of like not looking at my computer screen as much, I, 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 don't, have to, I don't have to change my habits. I can just look at the computer screen for the same amount of time. won't hurt my eyes because I have these sweet glasses. Like, no, that didn't make me take you more seriously at all, Jonathan. Right? Instead of addressing our need, we medicate. Right? We use uh, other things. Instead of addressing the real problem, we invent something that fixes the problem for us or just covers it up. See, technology often has unintended consequences. It teaches us sometimes to rely on ourselves instead of God. The Tower of Babel is a, is, a, is a monument to human achievement and technology. See, God originally called people to fill the earth, right? To subdue the earth. That means to, to go out, to not congregate in one place. The people instead decided, you know what, we're going to congregate. We're going we're to form this one city, and we're going to make this really big, tall tower, because that's like the most amazing thing we can think of right now. And we're going to become like God, they use the, the technology of the brick to rely on themselves instead of God. Genesis 11, 3 through 4 uh, says this. They said to each other, come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used bricks instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over all the face of the whole earth. And yet it was God's will for them to be scattered. They do their own thing instead. Now, uh, uh, Babel uh, is, the, is the first Babylon. If you read the story of the Bible, Babylon is this like archetype city. It's this place, it's, it's like the capital of all that is opposed to God. It's, this, it's, it's, civil, it's civilization, it's culture, it's not just one specific city. Uh, by the end of Revelation, uh, it becomes a place that just opposes God. We read this in Revelation 17, verse 4. It says this, The woman was dressed in purple and scarlet and was glittering with gold, precious stones, and pearls. She held a golden cup in her hand filled with abominable things and the filth of her adulteries. See, this is Babylon the Great. She's pictured as an adulterous woman. See, Babylon uses technology, a cup, right? Achievement, things, to rule the world. 
to become a place and a kingdom and a culture that doesn't really need God, that can handle things for themselves. See, technology can be used for good. It's one of the ways our Babylon, and I believe we live in Babylon. That's not a call out against our country or anything like that, but I believe as a culture, as a world, the kingdom of God is coming, but we currently live in the kingdom of Babylon. And our Babylon, it teaches us to rely on ourselves instead of God. And this leads to a break in relationship with God as we rely on ourselves. See, this really comes from inside of us. How we use technology is an overflow of our hearts because at the end of the day, we're actually looking for ways that we don't have to rely on God. We are looking for ways like Adam and Eve that we can choose to eat of the fruit and be separate from God, to be self-sustaining from God, to be individuals, to, to not walk with him like the great believers in the scriptures, to not walk with God, but to, 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 to be dependent and self-reliant. And this comes from a place in our heart that is fallen. See, uh, uh, Proverbs tells us that the way we use technology shows us what's really going on on the inside. One of my favorite verses, Proverbs 4.23, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. And so what does technology come along and do? It reveals what's in our hearts and it amplifies it. It helps us cultivate those insecurities, those doubts, those fears, or that pride and that self-reliance. And so, we need to look at our hearts and say, Lord, would you change my heart so that when I, when I use technology, when I use these things that I think are good, would I use it for you? Would I use it for your kingdom purposes? Would I be like Bezalel and the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit fills him. Lord, I repent. See, there's good news, though, because God, God doesn't hate technology. I hope you don't walk away from this sermon thinking that. John 3.16 is like our core verse in the Bible, but it, it says this. It says, for God so loved the world. It doesn't say, like, God just loved the people on the planet he made. It's God loved the world. God loves our culture. God loves his creation. God loves what he has made. And he's going to redeem it. He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Romans 8 talks about creation groaning and waiting for redemption. I think technology is even groaning and waiting for redemption. How did God rescue us? God used technology. He used the technology of death. He used a cross where his son, his son hung and died, and he used the, the tomb, more technology of death, to die to pay that ultimate sacrifice. And then he just showed, like, I'm the boss. I am over this. He raised his son from the grave. He rose him again so that anyone who believes and repents, puts their faith in Christ Jesus, will live. And it doesn't have to be controlled by technology. So that we can have eternal life. There, there's this idea of freedom. Like true freedom is knowing God, being in relationship with him, and living the way he created you to be. And so if you are bound by technology, if there is a tool 
or a thing that you know is good, but it has actually become greater than God himself. It has become an idol in your own life, just like that bronze serpent. Or if there's something that, that you know, you're just like, man, I, there's so much shame around this. Whatever it is, whatever is controlling you, whatever has taken hold of your life, whatever form of technology it is, Jesus can set you free. Jesus can set you free. Jesus forgives us for our sin. He forgives us for our addictions, and he comes so that we might have life. So we ask Jesus to come to change our hearts, to give us new hearts from the inside out. See, there's, there's good news. God will ultimately redeem us. I think he'll ultimately redeem technology as well. The Bible begins in a garden, and it ends in a garden city. So our story begins with no technology, and it ends with creation filled with technology. Revelation hints that uh, the nations will bring their technology before God in the new Jerusalem. Uh, Revelation 21, verse 24 says this. It says, The nations will walk by its light. Talking about the new Jerusalem. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor, their splendor into it. We will bring our splendor into the new Jerusalem. That means we will bring the best of our culture, what we have created and made. I think that's what that means. And we will be able to, to take some of that into eternity, honoring God. So if you're feeling Zoom fatigue, know that one day you will not feel that way anymore. Uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace, for your kindness, for your love. Thank you that we can uh, use our creativity and the things that we uh, make uh, to know you. To, uh, we, can, we, can, we, can, we can know you through the things that we express our creativity through, Lord. We can be in relationship with you. I pray that you would redeem technology, that you would set us free, and that we would view it the right way in a way that honors you, Heavenly Father. Please bless this community. Uh, would you continue to use the blessing of technology to keep us connected? It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.